Did somebody just flush a toilet? Yeah, that's what it sounded like. That was my Planet Fitness water bottle. Like, what'd you, what'd you splash it on your head? Jesus. Nah, it's like, I don't know. It, I'm going to hate saying this live, but it's firm, so you have to suck it hard. <laughs> All right. Yeah, you do. We haven't even started the show yet. And yet we already know what's going to be at the end of it. You're listening to the Give Me Five Podcast, episode 42. Rush out on an uptown train, doors open, and she walks in, she's soaking, caught in the rain, her skin shines like crystalline. This is the Give Me Five podcast, where each week we discuss entertainment. Things like movies, TV, books, video games, whatever. I'm Rob, and here with my co-host Jimmy. Oh, hi, Mark. And Greg. (laughs) I really have to see that movie. Hello, guys. We are the Give Me Five podcast. This week, we're going to discuss Incredibles 2, all the developments at E3. We're going to discuss Slayer, as well as Ocean's 8. This is a review show and there will probably be spoilers uh we are going to try to avoid major 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 twists but as we're talking about stuff things will come out so if you didn't know that syndrome is the crazy fanboy kid from the beginning of incredibles or that rob bursts into flames when he farts then you might want to pause the show and come back later pardon me while rob farts into flames it's going to be that episode. Good. Okay. Assisted combustion. <laughs> Is that the technical term? Sure. Okay. All right. Now that you kind of know a little bit about us, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about you? Guys, get in touch with us at the Give Me Five podcast on Facebook. As with all of these, the five is spelled out, um, F-I-V-E. You can also find us at Give Me Five Pod on Twitter and Instagram. It's the same handle. We try and be funny. Jimmy, did you see that uh, lovely fan art on our Instagram page? You know, um, it, it it makes me kind of tear up a little bit when I see that kind of beauty. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just the, the creativity from people is just astounding. One of our special fans, yeah. emphasis on special, provided In us with, with... Yes, provided us with cover art for episode 41, a lovely drawing of Batman Ninja. Um, I, I just want to say thank you to um, yeah. Jimmy. Whoever, Jimmy, wherever you are, thank you. Yep. Well done, uh, Jimmy. Well Jimmy, done. If, if you would please, when we do come across the name for this episode, uh, write in. Guys, if you're listening, make some fan art for an episode. You know, um, you can email that fan art to us at giveme5podcast at gmail.com. And if you could... You know, thanks in advance, guys. We've gotten some really wonderful reviews. It helps us kind of spread the word. You know, we like connecting with more people. So that's the, the biggest way you can help the show, um, you know, on the Internet. If you also want to help keep the lights on, so to speak, we have a store. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, we have some very cool stuff on there. Um, laundry bags, uh, like shirts. Camels. Um, camels. No, no. Uh, spider monkeys. We we ran into some problem with customs. Oh, camels, no go. Dang it! Licensing issue. Uh, um. Okay. 
Actually, my my little guy was wearing a Gibby Five podcast T-shirt to school today. Nice. So welcome means there'll be lots of five-year-olds listening to our review of Hereditary. I'd like to welcome. (laughs) I'd like to welcome all the children now listening uh, to us talk about farts. So you found your home with us here. Uh, That store, (laughs) guys, found our crowd. (laughs) Uh, Give me five podcast dot threadless dot com. Check it out. Some really awesome stuff on there. So anything new, guys? Yes. A director that I wanted to put on our list last week where it turned out that it was like his fifth film um, is Bobcat Goldthwait. And Bobcat has a new anthology series coming out on all places, True TV, hmm. which I hope I get to watch somehow. True TV, if you're listening, I don't have cable. Let is that like it. his real voice or is that like – No, it's not. Okay. No, Bobcat Goldthwait, if you remember, was from Police Academy. He uh, he was just crazy. He talked crazy. I'm not even going to try and do an impression. He was like the human embodiment of the cat from Bloom County, of Bill the Cat. I don't know basically. what that is. Uh, it's this – like cat. Uh, yeah, just this sputtering kind of slapstick kind of character. But he's a – Really, in my opinion, a great director and a great storyteller. Um, he's done God Bless America, which is the movie that I was so eager to put on that list. But like I said, it was like his fifth film. Um, it's called Misfits and Monsters. So, you know, it's definitely worth checking out the trailer. Um, we'll put a link in the show description. It's got some really, some characters you're going to recognize. Uh, Michael Ian Black is in it. Um, you know, you recognize a lot of those guys. So, um, I actually have the entire box set of police Academy movies that I still have to watch. It's like all eight of them or seven of them. All of Steve Gutenberg's best work. Yeah. And glorious Blu-ray. I think every, that I bought. what was it? Everything after like three was kind of garbage. Mm. No, the Miami one was good. Oh, which one was that? that uh, 27. <laughs> I don't know. Um, on a final thing real quick, really excited, though I was a little disappointed. Um, trading, a trading system and a friend system has finally come to Pokemon Go two years after it was released. Uh, but it looks like the friend system is only available to those who have hit level 40. Uh, which please is... Academy 5, by the way. Assignment Miami Beach, please Academy gotcha. 5. Which yeah, sure. has a very low, in my opinion, two stars on IMDb. What is wrong with you people? Shame on you people. Well, anyway, that's what I got. So, Are you a level 40? No, it's going to take a while. Wow, if you're not a level 40, that means there's like six people out there that can be friends, and they're probably like all in Japan. Mm, no, I, I know several level 40s. Wow. Wow. So, huh. Yeah, it says you must be level 40 to access this you know, social function. I'm like, ah, crap. So, uh, I don't know. It, it, which is weird because if you... Well, it's weird because if you get up to level 40, you probably don't have that many friends to begin with in real life. <laughs> Ooh, that hurts. Dang. <laughs> How dare you, sir? <laughs> um, yeah, I, you know, maybe it's, it's given something exclusive for the, the level 40s to do. I know you can kind of get to level 40 and go, well, I've completed my Pokedex. What am I going to do now? Well, now you can have friends. Hey, Jimmy, so, just just, just tell you. him, just tell him, says the guy that got to level 85 in Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes. Really, Greg? That's like, we are, we're all at level 85. I'm at level zero Nerd. on that game. Yeah, but you completed a raid for me. 
Yeah, it did. It was fun. Exactly. <laughs> what do you guys got? Anything new? Well, Give Me Five podcast alum Joe Ballerini had his book, his second book, Babysitter's Guide to Monster Hunting, come out. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and coin this term right now. Joe Ballerini is a friend of the five. Oh, thank you, and a super of the five. nice guy. Except like you're not coining. Except you're not coining that term. I said it a while ago, and you told me it was dumb. He I only, mean, he only told you that so you would forget it, and he could steal credit. Yeah, but he is a friend of the five. Yeah, with, up with, there with Cal and Omar and uh, anyone that's been and on the show. Kerwin, because Kerwin, Kerwin, Kerwin is definitely Kerwin a keeps five. harassing Greg, so that's awesome. It's so great. Kerwin's like the the um, like um, words only version of what I do to Greg at work. He's the wow. fact checker. <laughs> so anyway, the book is called Beasts and Geeks. It is um, it is considered young adult, but it is very fun. As you heard us talk about during last October, how much fun it is. And I pre-ordered it. My copy showed up yesterday, I believe. And I am looking forward to digging in and I'm going to effort another conversation with him. Yeah, really fun read. Um, Greg, you said that the name of the book is Beasts and Geese. Geeks, yes, beasts geese. and geese. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it is the second ver- a second volume in the Babysitter's Guide to Monster Hunting. So, um, and that's really it. There's a couple things that I had in news that it got kind of bumped down into uh, the rest of the show. So, I will leave it at that. Well, I I, I did come across something uh, this week. I don't know if you guys want to do it here in Snap Decisions. It kind of involves a little bit of a guessing game. Let's do it now. Right here. Let's do it right here. Yeah. All right. Throw, well, throw down. Throwing the I'm gloves not, off. I'm not scared of you because you did this to me yesterday. I did. So I, have to I shut did. Up. You and you have to be quiet because I I will admit that Greg got all of them. So good for you, Greg. Well done, sir. Greg um, was a oh, subscriber geez. to Entertainment Weekly for about 15 years. Nice. <laughs> so I remember the lists as they came out every year. But so, um, very recently. Um, the Avengers, the the most recent Avengers, Infinity War, broke the billion dollar mark worldwide. Mm-hmm. And to date, there have only been, and, and I imagine that this number will only go up as time as time goes on and movie tickets get more and more expensive. But mm-hmm. there are currently only thirty four movies who have broken the billion dollar mark. Okay, I won't ask you to guess all thirty four movies. Although I will admit, I was surprised at the number of like animated features that were on that list. Uh, All right, and there were there were a couple of other movies that surprised me on that list. However, that would be quality podcasting right there. Thirty minutes of Jimmy going, uh, um, the uh, Untouchables, no, uh, no, uh, uh, <laughs> Godfather so two, no. Okay, there are currently four movies, okay, that, that have broken the two billion dollar mark. All right, can, so can, Greg, you've already done this, right? And he got all four of them. I okay. have, I have. All right, four that have broken two billion in their box office run their theatrical run that have broken two billion dollars worldwide and it doesn't have to worldwide yeah it doesn't have to be an initial release if there were subsequent releases that counts too it's just box office box office gross okay jurassic park no oh uh black panther no not yet titanic there you go that's number two Hmm. they have sex with their tails Avatar? Avatar is number one, believe it or not. Really? Avatar huh. is number one with a worldwide gross currently of 2,787,965 million. Or no, 
I'm sorry, two billion wow. seven hundred eighty-seven million nine hundred sixty-five thousand. That's surprising. Um, how about Toy Story? Negative two. <laughs> Negative three. Toy Story three was on the list, but it's not in the two billion club. Hmm. Hint. I've already named one of them. Yeah, Avatar. No, I opened the discussion by naming one of them. Oh, I don't pay attention to anything you guys say. So, <laughs> The Incredibles. Number four was Avengers Infinity War. Okay. And it broke the $2 billion mark. It's currently at $2,022,598,000. All right. So what are the rest? The number one- three should be number three should be, should be pretty obvious. It's it it did come out in the past what four years? It came out in 2015. How about that? And it yeah. re and it rebooted a franchise or not rebooted, but it continued a franchise. Wayne's World two. Oh my god! We just saw the second movie of the second of the of the continuing Deadpool. trilogy. Shut up. Trilogy. <laughs> Lord of the Rings. <laughs> the Incredibles. Star Wars. Force Awakens. You the movie sucks. You jabroni. Yeah, I know, but they built up a lot of they built up a lot that of movie uh, didn't suck. Anticipation. Why does that movie suck? You suck. The second one sucked. Yeah, we're not talking about the second one. We're talking about the first one. Why does the second one have anything to do with the first one? You suck. <laughs> Jimmy's just mad that I got them all right. I am, actually, and I'm not talking for the rest of the episode, so carry actually, on. Actually I, actually, I must amend that statement. Greg did get them all right, but he did guess wrong a couple of times. I did guess uh, Black Panther. You did. Okay. I think it's time for Snap Decisions. You're tearing me apart, Lisa! Okay, guys, so I got a little something. Trying to figure out exactly how to phrase this question. I did a little bit of work on that today. But the movie Gaudi was released this past week, and it (laughs) had a zero Rotten Tomato score. Yes. Really? And it also, yes, it had a rare zero at the time it was released. I haven't seen since. It also landed with a very resounding thud at the box office. Uh, opened in 500 theaters and received very little money, basically. John Travolta uh, the movie just go- isn't the draw he used to be, huh? Not at all. No. However, the moviegoer score, meaning from people reviews, theoretically, is at 67% positive. However, it has a very large amount of reviews since the fact, as I just said, it opened up in 500 theaters, but it received over 6,900 reviews, which means basically more people reviewed the movie than saw the movie. Uh, if you want to you know, compare that, The Incredibles open up in 4,400 theaters and receive 7,600. So uh, fairly close numbers considering, you know, the difference in thing. Anyway, so to continue on here, the movie, the movie started marketing itself saying, you know, the critics don't want you to see this movie, but the fans do. People started doing research and realized that the people that reviewed the movie only reviewed... In most cases, there were new accounts that had reviewed two movies, Gaudi and American Animals. Okay. Let me guess, they were both made by the same company. Or they were both... And they were both... Used? They were both... They weren't made by the same company, but they were both uh, purchased, or the rights to them, or the release rights to them, were in part funded by MoviePass. By MoviePass. Oh! So, here's the thing. And actually, they went on the in the article I read. They went on to say that of the people that did see Gotti, the um, over fifty percent of the money—I think it was like one million dollars of the money that it made—were from MoviePass subscribers. 
And when you went into movie movie pass this past week, I will I will say that Gotti was the splash screen, not uh, Incredibles two. So mm-hmm. anyway, Smart that being said, so he, here's my my mini question. Here is a very long setup, but you know my thought was, do you think that is CD when in the long run that seediness is benefiting the the movie pass people? You know, like the movie pass subscribers are getting benefits because if these movies do well. Movie Pass ex- continues to exist, and we continue getting the benefits. So, would you do you consider that seedy, and do you have a problem with that? False reviews to help the company. Rob just took a deep breath, so go ahead. Yes, it is seedy because not all the people who who will be duped in going to see it are Movie Pass customers, so they don't get the benefits of the Movie Pass. They're paying the full price to go see a garbage piece of crap. If in fact that's what it is, because they've been led to believe that it's a decent movie buy all of these fake reviews. So yes, it's CD. Now, do you think that could be any different by a company saying, we have the best pizza in Orlando and having their friends come on and say, we have the best pizza or they give me five podcast is an excellent podcast. Oh, wait, never mind. We are an excellent podcast. Don't listen to me. See, well, that's true. Typically, if you claim to be the best of something, you usually have some kind of award that backs it up. You you can't claim to be the best if you don't have any kind of reward to back it up. Gotcha. Jimmy? I think, Rob, you're exactly right with that one. Um, so welcome to agreeing with Rob. Woo! Um, yeah, I think it's shady um, that they had all these bots, you know, shoot out these reviews. that they Actually, didn't... no, they were not bots. They Okay. Um, Rotten Tomatoes came out and said they're definitely not bots. They are. So they basically paid a, a farm, I think to fill up these things or maybe just it could have just been regular movie pass customers are like oh i know that movie pass owns this maybe we'll kind of do this i didn't get my email to do it so uh or maybe you saw it for free so it was just that much better now if i went and saw if i actually really cared what critics say or if i went to rotten tomatoes and read all the reviews generally i trust rotten tomatoes but i only look at the percent um i don't look at the individual reviews because you know everybody has different tastes but if i went to that saying man johnny 1784 said that this was really good and i walked out and i was i was disappointed i guess if i was wired that way i'd be mad about paying 13 bucks for that movie that looks just awful now now the other thing is the other the other thing to take into consideration for for it, prosperity i have to do this okay Okay, continue. The thing to take into consideration with that 67% score is that 60 I'm not quite sure how Rotten Tomatoes scores it, but if a lot of those a lot that score would be much much lower if it weren't for all of the really good scores from the supposed movie pass farmers. So what that probably means is that the people who actually went and saw the movie thought it was trash and they slammed yeah. it. And so the slamming was was bolstered by all of the five stars that the movies that the movie pass uh, farmers basically um, contributed. So that sixty seven is really probably only like a thirty two. Yeah, I find yeah, that, I, that movie reviews tend to sit from like the average fan. They tend to sit in the high seventies, low eighties, because there's people that love it, and then there's all the people that are like, "Well, there was a the part that scared my kid." So I'm going to give it a one star. Like, mm-hmm. well, it was, you know, 
hereditary. Of course it was. <laughs> of course it scared your kid. Yeah. Right. But when you consider the fact that if MoviePass actually did farm out the uh, the reviews, that the five stars that, that they got from the farm reviews couldn't offset to any significant amount to get it up to what the normal audience viewing score is, which is like the 70s, 80s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Greg, I, I know you love your movie pass, but man, it it can't survive. Um I I think it's it doesn't have much longer. Um I'll use as much as I can. Yeah, use everything that you can. I know surge pricing is coming out in July, so I don't know. I don't, is, I just what don't what is surge pricing? I didn't even uh, see that. Yeah, I know they're doing a family plan coming up. Um so the CEO of uh movie pass, Mitch Lowe. Um, said, quote, at certain times for certain films on opening weekend, there could be an additional charge for films. Uh, the added fee will start at $2, but there's something like that. But, um, I think, you know, very popular movies are going to start getting upcharged. So, you know, hey, you've got Movie Pass, cool, but it's like with the Crown Regal, you know, Regal Crown rewards right now. You go and like, oh, I do like to use my free movie ticket on, this movie that just came out and they're like, well, it's a dollar 75 extra. So, you know, that's already happening. And, um, I think, but but even I'm personally, even with surge pricing, I mean, I go to, I go to one movie a month and it pays for itself. So, and honestly, I don't have time. I don't, I don't really go at the peak times anyway. I'm usually going like the Tuesday after it comes out. Yeah. I mean, same here and say, just don't, yeah. Don't invest a lot of money in that. Mm-hmm. There's also a new AMC one that's coming out too. That's going to be only at AMC theaters, and it's like forty dollars a month or something, maybe twenty dollars a month, and you get three movies a week. Yeah, yeah. But you can re- you can reserve tickets at that one. Uh, I'm guessing there's going to be a lot of subscription services coming with movies. Like every theater is going to end up with one. It gets people in the seats, and they don't really care. Some they don't make as much money on opening week anyway and all the movie the a higher percentage goes to the movie th- studio opening weekend so all they really care about is getting people in the seats to buy popcorn and soda and candy mm-hmm. um, and then keeping people there so if they get people the second week third week fourth week to these movies that have been out for a while that benefits the theater way more than the first week i you know i get a regal because of the the crown rewards um mm-hmm. and if they had maybe a subscription where you got like a free small Coke and a free popcorn, then I'd consider something like that for 20 bucks a month for three movies but that, a week. But that's where they make their, that's where they make their revenue. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're not going to give that away for free because that, that, uh, that $4 small popcorn probably costs them 60 cents to make. I would guess way less than that. Well, I mean, once you, once you pay the people who like put it in and everything, you take all the costs into consideration. Helper monkeys. Yeah. Actually, I would buy popcorn way more if it was made for, made for me by a monkey. <laughs> and he were flinging it at me like poo. Exactly. Exactly. I'm a germaphobe unless it involves a monkey. Well, guys, that was Snap Decisions. I'm going to stop. All right, guys. So I am the loner here. This week, I got to see Ocean's, Ocean's 8. And I'm, I'm a loner, Dottie. <laughs> I'm not going to give you a, a spoiler alert for the plot but i'm going to give you a nerd alert because things are gonna get nerdy now do people steal some stuff people steal stuff it's it's a very good crime caper if you're a fan of the oceans movies then i i think you'll definitely like this it's very fast-paced um you know with this one especially you've got 
eight people that you need to explain their stories, uh, get to the, you know, the caper, the heist, uh, as I should say, and make them likable. So for the hour and 50 minutes that this movie is, I thought they did a really, really good job of that. Now, what they didn't do a, a great job on was the technology that they used in the film. And there are some pretty far off things in films. You see it all the time. And in the back of your head, you go, you know, that's just not possible. Um, but there are times when they are, you know, matters of my concern that I have to go or, you know, as I'm watching it, I go, mm, that's just not right. I'm going to store that in the back of my head. I'm going to go home and research it because as you guys are aware, Greg and myself are 3D printing enthusiasts. Mm-hmm. And there was some 3D printing in this movie. Now, I got really excited because I saw for the, the, the M logo for MakerBot. And in a scene, they show a very large statue of David. And, and when I say very large, I'm talking about a foot tall okay. that they printed out of the MakerBot Z Replicator Z18, which is a $6,500 printer. And it's a so great. The, the MakerBot is high end of the hobbyist, low end of the industrial. I would think. It's I think a very. So. It's a very easy to use printer. Very easy to work with. Yeah, and very like very user friendly um, interface where you can just take a three D model and kind of like drop it onto the surface and you hit print. Which mm-hmm. yes, that's real technology. And they show that, and the you know kind of nerd in me tech nerd in me got all excited but to set up what they do um they're they're gonna steal some some diamonds and i think that's very apparent from the trailers Mm -hmm. but to set up the you know how they pull this crime off they pass by the the replicator and they pull out this statue of david and it's printed out of cubic zirconia and it looks absolutely beautiful but the problem with that is as of right now, as of this recording, you can't print cubic zirconia. No. So it would have to be very hot to melt cubic zirconia. <laughs> yeah. So they actually use a smaller printer uh, later on in the film to print a replica of this set of diamonds. And they print it by using a pair of um this is a spoiler so they use a pair of sunglasses with a camera in them and now it is possible to use your phone to take pictures of something and then load that into your 3D printing software but you're going to have to do a lot of cleanup on it yes this one was like flawless i was in a 3D printing lab the other day and they had a 3D printed statue it was the um the knight and horse statue from outside of the UCF stadium. Mm -hmm. And they actually got all of the 3d data to print that statue by walking around with their cell phones and scanning it. Right. But somebody had to go in and clean up that data. Cause yeah. And and even then the, the, some of the sharper edges, some of the rounded edges were definitely screwed up like the Cape and things like that. Well, they print a, <laughs> sorry, I have to laugh. I, I couldn't <laughs> stop thinking of Rob's 3d printed statue of, of him as Batman holding a, um, what appears to be some sort of floppy something. Soapy gherkin. Yeah, soapy gherkin. Yeah. There you go. Not a batarang. Not a batarang. <laughs> but they, they use this and by, you know, all estimates in my research, the closest you're going to get 
is maybe using a clear resin, you are not going to get this super shiny, super polished, perfect print um, that's going to fool anyone. So that was the thing that kind of pulled me out of it, but it was good overall. It was a lot of fun. Um, you had some old faces show up, and there was a, a stunt that they pulled uh, during the Met Gala at the Met Museum in New York where someone has placed a picture or, or a painting, and it's, um, it's, it's called the Founding Mothers. And they're like, oh, Banksy put a picture in there. And I just thought that was kind of cool um, because Banksy is, is probably Massive Attacks, Robert Del Naja, but you didn't hear that from me. Um, overall, fast-paced, fun movie, uh, really cool, interesting cuts. If you guys have seen the movie Snatch or Lockstock Spooking, Two Smoking Barrels, um, it, it has that same kind of pace as do the other Oceans movies. So check it out. Definitely a date movie. And, uh, you know, nothing gross. There's some barfing in it, which is which is funny. But um, <laughs> I love how you just casually drop the Banksy thing and we're now going to be like on some sort of watch list. Although we're not the only people that have said that. Oh, no. A prominent, you know, DJ from the UK dropped that in a interview. Just kind of casually. He was like, oh, yeah, Robert, I give him a lot of credit. He's he's flipped the art world on its head and just kind of went on. Mm -hmm. And, you know. If Robert Del, Del Naja heads up the Banksy, Banksy Collective, then I'm okay with that because I love Massive Attack, and you should too. And Rob probably doesn't know what we're talking about, but at the same time, if he heard any Massive Attack, he would know. Gotcha. Now, now that being said, I actually have a question for you because I actually did also go see a movie. Um, I mean, I can touch on it briefly, but mm -hmm. um, I, I had an opportunity to go. Is this see a it. surprise topic for the Give Me Five podcast? It, it is, but it relates to what you were just speaking about. Oh, bring it on. Because I saw Hotel Artemis. Okay. And in Hotel Artemis, they 3D printed a handgun. Yeah. And how long did that take? Uh, a couple of hours. Couple of hours. But I'm not even sure that it's even possible because it would involve so many moving parts as well as being able to withstand the explosion from the from the bullet firing, plus you can't have a plastic firing pin. So there have been people that have tried to 3D print uh, firearms, but they don't ever look like a firearm. They they look closer to the one from was that in the line of fire, the Secret Service movie. Yeah, with Clint Eastwood. Yeah, where uh, the guy like makes that square thing. Mm -hmm. um, it looks a little more like that. And yeah, these even, these definitely did, with did that, not look like modern-day firearms. That have printed, it's you're getting one shot, and that's it, because it does pretty much blow the inside of it apart. Okay. Um, they cool. are working with more industrial-style resins, but, I mean, the problem is this thing has to heat up and cool down very quickly to actually be able to print, and there's very few materials that can heat up to that extreme temperature and then cool down to become solid again mm -hmm. that fast. Yeah, and a lot of films are are using that as their kind of easy way out, and I I feel like Ocean's Eight did that, especially when they were just like, oh, look at this cubic zirconia statue of David. It printed in what maybe the team had gotten together a couple hours previous, and looking at that print, you can no way that would have taken even if that was you know PLA, um, which is a type of filament. That would have taken days 
mm-hmm. to complete. So I think we're behind on using 3D printing in films. I don't know. Every time they're like, oh, we 3D printed this. I'm just like, oh. There are a lot of films that will stick 3D printers in the background. Maybe not doing anything, but they just look futuristic, especially the Delta style ones, which are the, they have, um, they're very tall and thin and like, and they have three arms and then they've got like three arms controlling the print head and they kind of move around. And you see those in the background of like the expanse. I've seen them in the background of a lot of those like CSI kind of shows in the labs, stuff like that. But yeah, just please do a little more research. They're just there. They're not doing anything. Mm -hmm. And it's, I think a lot of it is the prop makers use them and after a while, a new one comes out or they burn out the old one and they're just like, oh, we'll put this in the warehouse and you can stick it in your futuristic scene because it looks cool. <laughs> so I get that. I think the- well, how was Hotel Artemis otherwise, Rob? Um, I I would not recommend going to the theater to see it. It, it is not something that you need to pay full price to see. Um, Dave Bautista was pretty funny. Um, I liked Jodie Foster. I hated how the movie ended. Sophia Botella was... was um, awesome as usual. I mean, I think she usually does a really good job. Um, but I mean, all in all, the, the movie was a little lackluster. It certainly was no John Wick. We'll say that. That I, I another po- very popular podcast, last podcast on the left. I was listening to it today and they referred to that movie as an abortion. And they yeah. said, they said that, Oh goodness. It is trying to be John Wick. So it's funny that you reference that, mm-hmm. but it's, it's trying to be John Wick but it doesn't have the budget. So instead they just try to make everyone be all clever and talky for the first three quarters of the movie. And it's Mm -hmm. a hotel full of assassins and they want people to be killing each other. And it doesn't happen to the very end. Right. That was their review. So it it seems like same page. One of the best lines I thought came from Batista where he's talking to somebody um, that he's basically escorting and i say escorting with uh quotation marks he's escorting them out of the hospital um because they're not a member so he dumps them out and the guy like attacks him (laughs) and it's the scene that you see in the trailer where he points at his badge and he says you see that badge that means i am a healthcare professional and he says but that knowledge goes both ways and if you attack me again i will unheal the shit out of you (laughs) was there were there any references to John Wick at all? No. Okay. It seems like a movie that bites so much off of it would kind of poke fun at that a little bit. Yeah, no. It it you, you could you could probably miss it. It was it was not fantastic. You might you might enjoy it like on a on a Netflix kind of night, but it's no, I I definitely wouldn't wouldn't pay the $16 that I paid to go see it. Okay. Gotcha. Well, thank you for that uh, impromptu review. You're welcome. Boom! I got the opportunity to see one of the big four heavy metal or death metal bands or thrash metal. I'm not sure how you want to put it. People are very picky about their metal. Mm -hmm. In the Slayer Farewell Tour uh, featuring Slayer, Anthrax, Testament, Behemoth, and Lamb of God. That was last Friday. And... Slayer is, I remember the first time I heard of Slayer, if you guys don't know who they are, I'm not sure where you've been, but very heavy band, very controversial at times. Jimmy has some opinions of them, but we'll, I'm sure we'll get to this, but they are calling it quits and they're going on on this massive tour. Um, 
the first time I heard of Slayer, I remember seeing their name written on a payphone outside of my middle school. And the letters were were written, I think I said this on the podcast not too long ago, actually. The letters were written, like, down, and someone had written, Satan laughs as you eternally rot. And when you're, you know, in fifth grade or sixth grade, it's terrifying. Um, So I'm not the world's biggest Slayer fan, although there are some songs of theirs I really like, but I would like to add them to my list of concerts that I've seen. I am, however, a big fan of Anthrax and a very big fan of Testament. So I was very excited to see them because I had not seen either of those bands before. Uh, eventually, I did get to chance to see Behemoth, which is... Uh, Jimmy, you're going to have to lo- sign on here real quick. Um, Behemoth, what would you describe their their music as? They are... Are they dark metal? Well, they suck. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy is, very, is a, a heavy metal uh, in, enthusiast and purist, I think. Yeah, to some degree. Um, I've never been a big fan of Behemoth. I guess they're... I don't know. I guess they're black metal. Or I liked a lot of their intros. Metal. They're they're one of the the face paint bands. Yeah. So with, it, the, with it, the logo that looks like a pile of twigs. Excuse me. It's called corpse paint. Sorry. Sorry. They're to me they're like a kind of wannabe black metal band. Um, I don't. Well, they I, did sacrifice some sort of groundhog on stage. No, they didn't. Did they? No, they didn't. No, they didn't. Oh, okay. <laughs> I should have kept going with that. <laughs> I was gonna say then. I couldn't tell if it was Shame a gopher or those. a gopher or a groundhog, but Shame yeah. Shame on those boys. They're like one of those bands that comes, they're like, ugh, I'm the destroyer, or I'm the, you know, I, I just, I think they're like a hot topic version of, of black metal. They're pretty heavy. Yeah. I, I just, I, I've never been into them. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, Lamb of God was, I think, from the same place as you, Jimmy. Uh, not quite. Um, they are from Virginia. They started as Burn the Priest in Richmond, which is actually, you know, the birthplace of Guar, uh, birthplace of municipal waste. You know, some, some really There's good. A lot of, there was a lot of municipal waste t-shirts at that show, by the way. Oh, they're great. I love them. There was a lot of very interesting t-shirts at that show. So if, a, a few things. First of all, got a chance to go to the Orlando Amphitheater. Uh, have either of you guys been to the Orlando Amphitheater? Negative. I have not. Well, first of all, not an amphitheater. Yeah. Um, it would be better described as a uh, giant grass field with a stage in it. Isn't it the, the fairgrounds? Are they calling it the amphitheater now? It's behind the fairgrounds, yes. Okay. A few things I noticed. One, it's been raining nonstop, so I'm not really going to blame them for the mud everywhere. Was it raining blood? It was raining blood. Okay. And there were an abnormally large amount of washing machines everywhere. Like, one washing machine, I could be like, ah, oh, someone threw a washing machine over here. But I, we are talking at least 30 or 40 washing machines randomly spaced around this particular venue. Uh, come I again? I found that strange. Yeah, I found that strange. Like after I walked by one of them, I'm like, okay, weird. And then I walked by a couple more. Weird. Weirder. And by the end of the show, it's like, well, you know, it's a good thing that I'm walking through all this mud and there's all these washing machines around I can clean up before I go home. So, were they, just, like, plugged in? No, they were just they were just around. They were around the, um, these like metal frameworks that I think people put like tents over, you know, like the, like the flea market kind of things, but they weren't all under one area. They were spread all over the place. It was, it was weird. I have so many questions right now. Uh, I did too. <laughs> Perhaps I'll put it. I did take, I had to take a picture of it. So I'll, maybe I'll do that. So that was one thing. The, were they um, like art installations? No, they were like legit it's, washing machines. Slayers bringing washing machines on tour with them. 
I don't what? know. It was it was it was more towards the parking lot area, but the way things were, it wasn't easily to tell easy to tell where the parking area stopped and the entrance to the venue began. It's kind of a weird thing. But that being said, the the venue also it seemed more so like it was a place where they stored a stage before other shows that they were like you know like they put the stage outside of the Citrus Bowl or what or Camping World Stadium now for like big shows. It's almost like they keep this stage in a field and then they should be bringing it some other location for other concerts, but they just decided to have concerts there instead. Um, but it, they're very excited about the venue because it talks about like Orlando's newest venue. Um, I'm wondering if they're planning on maybe actually putting in an amphitheater at some point, but it was a very weird venue. Um, so that's one thing. Uh, sold out show. All the bands were really good. Uh, and all the bands knew what people wanted to hear. Uh, Slayer fans are pretty notorious, as I'm sure Jimmy knows, for only wanting to hear Slayer. Yep. Like they would, they tend to boo other bands off the stage and stuff like that. They were always the heaviest of the big four, so people would be pissed off if Metallica played or whatever. That's kind of changed over the years, but you know, Anthrax played what anth- what you expected them to play, all of their heavier earlier stuff. You know, Cotton Mosh and uh, trying to think of the other songs. Can't think of them now, but more of the earlier stuff. Uh, got the time, things like that. You mean basket full of puppies? Yes, basket full of puppies or Dalab Nuskin. Mm-hmm. Uh, did not play Bring the Noise, which I hoped for. I would have jumped on stage and rapped for them, but they didn't know that, so they didn't let me. Uh, Testament, of course, play you know played some of their heavier stuff. Their Testament's new album is actually really good. They've they've aged very, pretty well musically, mm-hmm. so and I really actually enjoy their new album. Uh, Lamb of God actually. I've never been a huge fan of theirs for some reason. Like, in theory, I should like them, but I don't. And I think a lot of metal fans seem the same way, but they were the, they were the second band that played. So it's kind of interesting, but they actually got into some trouble not too long ago. At least the lead singer did. I'm sure you know about this, mm-hmm. Jimmy. Yep. And we'll tell Rob about it because he, he might find it kind of interesting. Um, right around, there was a guitarist called Dimebag Daryl who got shot on stage. Someone ran up on stage and shot him. Okay. And soon thereafter, in I think in was it Czech Republic, someone yes. ran someone ran on stage at a Lamb of God concert. There was bad security, and he pushed the guy off the stage. Mm-hmm. The guy fell off stage, hit his head. They left, not thinking anything happened. And then, uh, not too long later, they charged the lead singer with murder because the guy died from his head wound. Eventually, he he did go over. He was like, "Look, this was a fan. I didn't mean to do this." I'll take whatever whatever penalty I need to get. He eventually got out of it, but he did go over there and serve some time, which he could have avoided just because he didn't have to go back over there. But so it was very. It was I forgot that was them until halfway through the show. Uh, our friend, our friend and friend of the five, Rich, who who actually won the tickets and and was nice enough to give me one of them. Um, he was like, "Yeah, that's the guy that did the thing." I was like, "Oh," and it all came back. So it just kind of it was interesting, like seeing them and being like and seeing how gracious they were to the fans being like this clearly was not a guy that's like come on up here i'll kick your ass like it was clearly a reaction to like fear for their own life mm-hmm. so but anyway um there's that uh met a lot of cool metal fans there <laughs> there were i did ask have to ask the question is where do a lot of these people go when they're not at have at slayer concerts but, I mean, there was like more people with embedded devil horns in their forehead than i've yeah. ever seen in one place and i'm wow. like where do you work uh, laundromats apparently. A lot of like heavy metal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they all they, they're they all washing, all machines. washing machines. 
Yeah. <laughs> they're all washing machine repairmen. <laughs> they brought they their work. They, they brought machine. their work to the concert with them. Yeah, so that was, I thought that was interesting. There was like there was I there were some things I saw. I, I did get the opportunity to see um someone I'm not entirely sure what drug it was, but it poured out of a um out of a little flask onto a little tablet, like a pill tablet, like an aspirin or something, so I'm assuming ecstasy or something. Also some cocaine I saw. That was nice. Uh, and then I looked at my friend, and my friend's like, that was cocaine. I'm like, let's go somewhere else before this guy starts moshing on yes. a cocaine fit. Yes, I, I want to clarify. The Give Me Five podcast does not endorse the use of any kind of illegal drugs. It's true. I said I saw it. I didn't say I, I did it. No, no, as, as as you said, that was nice. Yeah, that was that was sarcasm, though. Yeah, I know. But I just um, that did uh, bring up, I think, Rob, you thought you were going to get out of it because we got deep into the show, but I think I want to do a game. Oh, God. I like games. Like games? You want to play a game? So Slayer, one of the things, they've always been slammed for being satanic, but one of the things that people don't know is that the lead singer, Tom Mariah, is very religious. Yeah, he's a practicing Catholic. Yes. So good for him. So that being said... If that's your thing, then cool. Yes, yes. So that being said, I I would like to propose a little game called uh, Slayer Lyric... Or Bible verse. Oh, God. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. So here we go. So is this a Slayer lyric or a Bible verse? I will fill your mountains with the dead. Your hills, your valleys, and your streams will be pe- filled with people slaughtered by the sword. Slayer. That would I'm be a say Bible verse. That would be a Bible verse. Oh, my God. If I know the answer, I'll say I, I, I know it. But Okay. Sorry. I apologize for, for stepping in. Okay. Her stomach bursts, the casket breaks, the seed has taken form, a writhing shape of twisted of twisted flesh, the devil's child is thrown. I'm gonna say Slayer. Yeah, I'm gonna say Slayer also. That is correct. That is a Slayer song. I was gonna I didn't get all of the actual songs that they're from, so I apologize, but that is uh let's see. I should have written some of these down. I'm already doing better than the last time we played this. I got one right. Sure. Their slain also shall be cast out, and their stink shall come up out of their carcasses, and the mountains shall be melted with their blood. Go ahead, Rob. Bible? That's what I say. That is the Bible. Sound sounded very um uh revelations. I don't a know. A lot of these I believe the, I don't know. A lot of the these I believe are are Ezekiel. I'm not sure exactly that because yeah. Okay. okay. Ezekiel. Super metal. Yeah. Our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. Slayer. Bible. Bible. Yep. That's what I said, Bible. (laughs) (laughs) Suffer the children condemned, scattered remnants of life. I can totally see Tom Mariah saying that, so I'm going to go Slayer. Yeah, I'm thinking Slayer also. That is correct. That is from Silent Scream by Slayer. Uh, The previous one was uh, Necrophiliac by Slayer, which is a a children's song. You can get it on Kids Bop 4, I believe. Necrophiliac. Oh, God. (laughs) And did, and did you say remnants? I did. Okay. Remnants. I said remnants of life. <laughs> she lusted after her lovers, whose genitals were like those of donkeys, and whose emission was like that of horses. Uh, <laughs> trick question. That's it's it's so out there. It's got to be the Bible. <laughs> no, Backstreet Boys. Oh, fooled you! It's in sync. That is, in fact, the Bible, and you people should be ashamed of yourselves. That is Ezekiel twenty three twenty, whose emissions 
was like that of horses. That one was actually more offensive than any Slayer thing I could possibly find. <laughs> I'm sure there's there's a reason for them talking about that, but anyway. And I, and I got that right. Boom. You did. You did. Okay. Blood is raining downward. The stain reflects the sun. That sounds like a Slayer lyric. That is. That is. That is the song Jihad about 9-11. See. Saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns, ten crowns. Uh, I'm guessing. I think it's Bible. I'm going to say another trick question. That's actually Huey Lewis in the news. <laughs> God, Jimmy's good. Jimmy's on fire. That was on the uh, yeah. that was on the sports album by Huey Lewis in the news. That was, in fact, Bible. Yeah, I got another one. Yeah. And I will do one last one. Christ hasn't come, awaiting the final moment, the birth of Satan's son, the Antichrist. Slayer. That is Angel of Death. Actually, that's the Antichrist. I I accidentally said the uh, the name of the song in there, but yes, that is oh. Antichrist. That is a Slayer song. Well done, well done. I did I probably much should've... better. I did much better at this one than I did at the uh, the metal names real or fake. Yeah, I think you got uh, five or six right. Well done. So I, I don't know if you ever responded to Greg's picture. Uh, dying fetus, real band or fake, Rob? Um, real. I think that is. You got the bonus question right. Boom! I'm on a roll! Okay. Jimmy, tell us about E3. Okay, so I'll do my best here. Um, the games that I'm super excited about that I will probably never play, although if That's anyone a on the list... fun list, isn't it? <laughs> if anyone on the list, um, there are... It's maybe three or four... And and I've just written down the games I'm excited about. Uh, Ghost of Tsushima. We talked about, you know, Batman Ninja as being a playable game. And, you know, this one is just beautiful. It has, you know, the art style that we, you know, had kind of hoped would be a game. So that's, that's Ghost of uh, Tsushima, T-S-U-H, or T-S-U-S-H-I-M-A. If you mm -hmm. guys are going to look up a trailer out there. So check that one out. Looks like a, you know, kind of open world adventure. Is it like uh, a painted looking game? Uh, of some of the backgrounds look like it. Yeah. Uh, it's just a very pretty, very big game. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, it does look nice. Yeah. Uh, another one I'm, I'm excited about is Fallout 76. I have not played a Fallout game since I think Fallout 3. And that do was only a, very Do you have a PS4? Recent. No. Ah. But I will get one for The Last of Us 2. Gotcha. Because that's the reason I bought a PlayStation Three. Um, that and um, the the Drake, uh, the Nathan Nathan Drake games. Uh, the Uncharted. Yeah, yeah. Uncharted. Um, let's see. Death Stranding is the new Hideo Kojima produced game, and that is the game starring Norman Reedus. It's like you oh, play a Walking Dead fame. Yes. You are you are you playing Daryl basically? You uh, no, you're just they modeled the care. I mean, the character is Norman Reedus, but it's Norman Reedus playing a video game character, and I don't think that's really necessary. I like to customize my characters in games, so I kind of feel more of a personal connection with them. Mm -hmm. This game, to me, feels like you're just kind of like voodoo dolling Norman Reedus, just <laughs> pushing him around and doing things. There's been a lot of hype about it. Uh, Hideo Kojima got done real wrong by Konami. I, I I don't know. Maybe I'll rent it from Blockbuster. Blockbuster from, from where? Yeah. Wait. 
So you're going to go back in time? Yeah. Or you're, or you're going to go to Alaska? No, man, I got a time machine. Okay. I, I don't think I would go to Blockbuster if I had a time machine. I, I think there's other things I need to do. Like at a sports no. almanac. What are you talking about? Or or that or that four billion dollar uh four billion lottery winning. Yeah. Nah. Um there is a new Spider Man game coming out. Yeah, this is the only one I know about, so I think I want to talk about this one. Go for um, it. I watched I watched that trailer and I didn't want that trailer to end. And usually I'm like, okay, I got the point and I'll stop the YouTube video halfway through or something. Um I love the story it was telling. It was basically yeah. telling of a, a prison breakout, the raft, I believe. It was very close to the new Avengers series from the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. That was one of the my favorite new series in comics back then. Just the Electro breaking people out and whatever. But the it just looked great. The character, the character designs look great. I actually like the little white patches and stuff on Spider-Man's costume in that game. I know that some people didn't like that, but I thought it looked really cool. Mm-hmm. And it looks good. Yeah, when it cut to credits, I was like, oh, crap. I yeah, need it, more. It yeah. looks every bit as fun as the Batman, you know, Arkham Knight series or yeah. Batman Arkham series, uh, where there's going to be a little side quest and there's going to be little challenges and things like that that you can do. A very easy to pick up and play and put down game, mm-hmm. but pick up and play for a while. Uh, I think it'll be easily of the games that we've seen from E3, the one with the most playability. Yeah, I think so too. So the, I'm I'm excited for that one. Hmm. What I is that, like the when Batman is that one games. Uh, I'll look that up. Yeah, while Greg's looking that up. Um, yeah, I don't have too much else. Uh, Bethesda September, had... September 7th, 2018. Okay, so holiday season game. Yes. Um, uh, Bethesda had a very strong showing with not only Fallout 76, but announcing Elder Scrolls 6, which is just another one of those games that you can get completely lost in. You know, oh, hey, the sun's up, now the sun's down kind of deal. Uh, very explorable games, explorable worlds. So they've got, you know, definitely a, a strong lineup. And um, gaming-wise, uh, Xbox One announced that a new Battletoads title will be coming out in 2019. God, I hope it's easier than the uh, than the last Battletoads game I remember. Freaking level! Uh, they actually kind of. I think we've talked about. Yeah, they did. They they showed a wall smash mm-hmm. get smashed on the the announcement. But I think we talked about this. It was that was one of the things that the game companies wanted to do to make it harder, so you couldn't just rent the game and beat it in one weekend. Yep. They put like this really hard level at like level three or four to keep people from being able to kind of progress. So you had to rent the game again and again and again, or just be like, screw this, I'm buying it. Which immediately, you know, flashbacks, I've got to play Battletoads, and I've got to beat that level. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I'm on a mission. And I think the Good coolest thing... Is that the, real, is that the real reason you weren't at work today? Yes. <laughs> no, I'm packing, I'm moving. So it's uh, I can't wait for it to be over. But the uh, most entertaining thing that I I saw from E3 was an hour and a half... Uh, competition between the elite from, I believe it's New Japan Pro, Pro Wrestling. That sounds about right. And the New Day from the WWE, they had a tournament in Street Fighter. Nice. And, you know, I'm I'm not the biggest wrestling fan anymore, but man, that was hilarious. The elite, the New Day, they were in character the whole time. Uh, did they trash talk? Oh, they trash talked, yes. 
<laughs> Kenny Omega is the the kind of head of the the elite. He's a he's a fantastic wrestler and he's a great personality. Um, this hour and a half video is very hard to stop and not come back to the. I, I think the the loser of this challenge had to eat uh, uh, like the world's hottest pepper, and the <laughs> the new day ended up losing. Because Kenny Omega, after his elite team members got eliminated, he went on a tear. And the New Day, um, you know, they ate the hot peppers and Kenny Omega just kind of took one and ate it anyway. So <laughs> it, it was just a great show of sportsmanship. Uh, you know, the crowd was way into it. And yeah, it's an hour and a half video, but man, check it out. So um, other things. I, I, was like, I, guess... I was like wrestlers doing stuff other than wrestling and uh, particularly from – the new day, uh, uh, what's what's his name? Um, Big E, uh, the, yeah, the the one you haven't mentioned yet, Ezekiel or uh, Ezekiel. I name? think I don't know Xavier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Xavier yeah. Woods, the guy who doesn't usually. No, Xavier Woods. Yeah, he was always around, uh, like full sale when he was doing the NXT stuff, and he was he's like a big time gaming geek, so he would just hang out and like talk to the students about games. Yeah. Like we would go get, I would go get coffee. He'd be sitting there. I didn't know who he was yet, but it was clear that he was a wrestler. He would just be sitting there, like chatting him up, playing whatever the handheld game system was at the time. It was cool. And we got a teaser trailer for the Resident Evil Two remake, which that game had a significant impact on me. I remember watching those cutscenes and being like, "Oh man, not since Splatterhouse have I seen." such a violent game. Um, I'm excited for that. Resident Evil four was in my opinion, the prettiest Resident Evil game. And you know, this being remade for modern consoles, Resident Evil two is going to be amazing. So looking forward to it. Nice. I wish I had time to finish some of these games. Uh, yeah. I'm playing mass effect Andromeda right now, which I've finally gotten around to. Uh, it's a lot better than people have described. Uh, they have fixed things, so I'm I'm slowly getting back to gaming. So, you know, I've wanted to talk so much more about gaming on this podcast, and just haven't had the time. So, you know, maybe we'll get some uh, some gaming guests in the near future. Maybe there you go. Okay, so after 14 years, they finally made another Incredibles movie, which none of you guys should be surprised about that it came out because it's a very big hit. Yeah, no, just uh, surprised the, that it took 14 years for them to do it. Yeah, and I've got a, a few little things about that. But um, the first one came out in 2004, and then Brad Bird did a few other movies, uh, Mission Impossible movie, a couple other things that we've talked about. And then they finally had a story, and they decided to, or they went through with it. Um, it was actually not supposed to come out until 2019, but they pushed it up. Oh, okay. And they swapped with Toy Story 4. Because the story came together. And Brad Bird was very interesting about this. He was very clear on this particular movie that if the story was not there, he wasn't going to do it, which is why it took so long. Uh, People had asked him, and he was like, he had a bunch of ideas. They didn't come together. They didn't come together. Finally, it came together for him, and he you know, went through with the movie. And I think it shows. You know, Personally, I really enjoyed the sequel. Sometimes I'm not as big of a fan of the Pixar sequels, although I'm still a bigger fan of Pixar sequels than many other movies because they tended to be very good. Yeah. 
but you know, it didn't seem as forced as like Cars 2 or things like that. So uh, you saw The Incredibles, obviously. I did. Jimmy did not. Nope. And You heathen. You're a yes. heathen. Yeah, I am. <laughs> and proud um, of it. So I will, uh, Rob, I will get around think? to it. What did you think, Rob? Um, I enjoyed it. Uh, I it was it was a lot of fun. Very, very amusing. They had that you can tell that they waited for the story because it the the story was very well thought out, very well put together. Mm-hmm. Um, I I did have a little bit of trouble getting over Holly Hunter at the beginning of the movie. Um, her something about her voice seemed off to me. Um, and I don't know if that's just the, I, I don't, I don't even know how to characterize it, but she's got this, this. It's like a draw. Or, or almost like a lisp, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, like she's talking out of the corner of her mouth, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was very pronounced. And I didn't, I didn't remember noticing that in the first movie. Um, so I had, I had a little bit of trouble getting over that at first, but all in all, the movie was great. I, I really enjoyed it. Very entertaining. It had, it had comedy. It had good plot. It had the story moved along at a nice clip. It. I thought the action scenes were really well done. Oh, and my, what was your favorite scene? I, the motorcycle chase. I thought was great. Oh, I, really, I was. It was just a great action scene. It had the right camera angles. It was just it. I wanted to play that in a video game. Okay. I just thought it was cool. Uh, which there's. I mean, there's a lot. My my favorite scene was the battle royale with Jack Jack and the raccoon. Oh, oh yeah, that that. Okay, that was that was I was talking more action, but yes, the 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 comedy breakaway battle royale where Jack Jack sees a um a criminal wearing a mask on TV and then sees a raccoon with the mask and decide Jack Jack decides that the raccoon is a criminal and decides to go uh ape crap on him with all of his powers. I love the look on the raccoon's face when he is trapped in the lawn chair. And Jack Jack is like burst into flames and is pushing all the other lawn chairs out of the way. <laughs> that, was, that was fantastic. When he when he ignited into flames, just standing there staring at the raccoon, I literally was in the theater and I went, Oh shit. <laughs> the raccoon's eyes got all big and you could see the reflection of the fire in them. Yeah, it was great. That that scene was probably my favorite scene in the movie. It was it, it was very comical, very well done. And you got to see a lot of like Jack Jack's powers. Mm-hmm. Poor, poor raccoon. Yes. Actually, after the movie, I popped by a store and they were selling a Jack Jack toy with a little stuffed raccoon. It said, nice. it said like on the package, like reenact the epic raccoon battle or something. And oh, yeah, I, oh, almost, I almost had to purchase said toy and reenact the battle. Exactly. But, uh, yeah, I thought it was really good. I, you know, it made me think back to when I saw The Incredibles and I remember a few things. The. When I first saw The Incredibles, I was just getting into 3D work myself, and I remember seeing the scene where um, where uh, Dash was running through the the woods with the the guards like chasing after him on the little like helicopter lawnmower flying bike things. Right. And I remember like him running through all those plants and the splashing in the water and those things chasing after him, and like I was just at the point where I understood what rendering was, and I was like, "How is this ever getting rendered?" And now there's video games that look as good as that. And it was the first time that I really thought about the like the power of what we will be eventually able to do with 3D graphics. Um, maybe the other part time was the door scene in uh, Monsters Inc. and like the warehouse. But and then also, Incredibles was like 
one of the first times that you really saw, you know, uh, superhero movies kind of done right. I mean, Super Spider-Man came out and the original Superman movies, but Incredibles was kind of had the right feel. Mm. Like it was definitely better to you're, me than like the Fantastic Four movies. You're you're missing the franchise that launched the superhero explosion in the, well, the there was the X-Men. Yeah, that's the one. But like they didn't have the the X-Men was a lot of if you go back and watch it it was a lot of build up with a few little fight scenes here and there because they didn't have the budget. I mean, those are, what, $70 million movies to make? Right, but... You get a few blasts, a few things like that. I mean, technically, if you want to do that, Blade made a lot more money than they thought and got Marvel on the got Marvel to make the X-Men movies. Blade yeah. was the first movie I can remember seeing on DVD. The, that was one of the first DVDs I bought. Yeah. Oh, he's, he said that that was the first movie he saw, one of the first movies he saw on DVD or the first movie he saw on DVD. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if, if I remember correctly, I, I believe that the, um, that a lot of the movie studios were holding on to their superhero products until they saw how X-Men did in the theaters. And once X-Men did as well as it did in the theaters, that's when a lot of the superhero stuff started getting greenlit. And also, if you remember, X-Men 2 actually came out before The Incredibles. So, and X-Men 2 had one of the greatest opening scenes I can remember in a long time. That was the, um, the battle with Nightcrawler in the White House. I don't know if you remember that scene or not, but oh, that yeah. was absolutely amazing. With him bamfing all over the oh, place. Oh, yeah, it was awesome. It's weird that you can, all these uh, comic book movies and one of the best action scenes involves uh, Kelsey Grammer, right? Was that <laughs> the Kelsey Grammer Nightcrawler? Was that? No, it was no, Tim Kel Roth. Kel Kel Tim Kel Roth, Tim Roth. Yeah, Tim Roth. That's what it was. Kelsey Grammer was beast. Yeah, Kelsey Grammer was. Uh, that's what it was. That's what it was, yeah. Come on, man. I know, I know. It's been a while. Oddly enough, as much as I like the X-Men comics, I wasn't a huge fan of the X-Men movies. No, neither was I, I. I liked the first two. I mean, there was some cheesy stuff in, in the first movie. I liked the second movie. I liked the first movie. The third movie was absolute garbage. They completely destroyed one of my favorite comic book storylines, which was the mm -hmm. Dark Phoenix saga. Yeah. The the first one I was okay with because of um, the introduction of Wolverine and Sabretooth. That little battle with the armored car was pretty good. But mm -hmm. anyway, uh, back to the Incredibles. Uh, yeah. You know, one of the things I always thought is that they keep on trying to do the Fantastic Four, make it darker, grittier, or more modernized. And like the best Fantastic Four movie is the Incredibles. It's basically the same type of characters, same type of powers, family dynamic, that kind of thing. Yeah. And... I think it'll be hard to break a actual Fantastic Four movie away from that. Not, not oh shit! <laughs> I just <laughs> spilled water onto my mouse. Awesome. Um, I'm gonna that keep a, that in. Is that a euphemism? No, it was, I legitimately spilled water onto my mouse. So <laughs> call it your mouse. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Anyway, um, and my the internet is for poor and mouse pad actually. Okay. Yes, it is. So, as I was saying, they uh, it's going to be hard for them to break a a Fantastic Four movie away from The Incredibles. And but anyway, so Incredibles two, of course, came out, and it I I really enjoyed it. I I was wondering if my kid liked it because there were, he got a little antsy towards the middle of it, and then just the like two days later, he was like, "I'm like, what do you want to do?" He's like, "I want to see Incredibles two again." Mm. Okay. And he's never he's never done that about a movie in the theater. Hmm. Like he usually knows that we wait a couple months and then I inevitably I just buy it because we watch him so many times. So he, I mean, he really enjoyed it. And I actually have a question for you guys. Mm -hmm. uh, what the Brick character? 
from the, you know, the all of the new heroes? Mm-hmm. Male or female? I'm going to say male. Uh, I don't know. I thought so too. Not. Really? Male. Yep. I after I told you I went to Target afterwards and I looked at the Lego set. They have like one of those Lego Junior sets. Uh-huh. And it came with a character with like a brick printing on the chest, like on the little minifigure, and the the little hairpiece that was like female like suburban mom hair basically and i was like oh that's weird they changed that character that character was supposed to be female originally so i went to all of the like new characters pages and you know the disney wikipedia and all these things and that character is actually female wow that's now the second time in a month that i've done that (laughs) yeah you and me both yeah i was i was really surprised uh but what did you think of all those new characters i actually kind of liked them Uh, the um Actually, the the one character, Void, I thought um, her power actually made for some really interesting scenes. Mm-hmm. Where she could open up a little portals yeah, she, to, like, some other dimension and, like, pop out new places and stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, she could open a portal and then the other end would, would open somewhere else. So you could throw something into into the hole that she opens, and then she could open another hole behind somebody, and what you threw into the hole would hit somebody in the back of the head, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but it actually made for some very interesting scenes, like the scene where Dash ran through the portal and then he was running through the endless portal. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I thought that was a really neat scene. Um, and just the things that they did with, with her power, I thought was, was or even the airplane thing when, when she was kind of using the portals to almost speed up or slow down. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is incredible. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm sorry, but I really liked, uh, the crusher. He and, was great. At the end, where he's like, "Well, can you can you get rid of this?" And he's like, "You want me to uncrush? <laughs> would you un Would you unpunch somebody? <laughs> <laughs> I am the crusher." <laughs> uh, oh. I like him. the the uh, the guy that burped up flaming hot magma. The regurgitator. Ga- yeah, re- no, it was uh, it wasn't called the regurgitator. He was called uh, reflux. 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 That's what it was. Yeah. And he's like an old guy, and I was one. It gave me heartburn watching. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> but yeah, he reminded me of just about every single like customer we used to have at our Publix back home. Yeah, <laughs> it's like ah, may I help you to your car, sir? Not if you're gonna barf up hot lava on me. I thought that the plot twists were were pretty good. They were I mean, you could kind of see them coming. They were they were completely telegraphed. I knew who the bad guy was like at the beginning of the movie. I'm like, kind of oh, the, first, the first couple conversations, yeah. yeah. I'm like, okay, I know where this is going. Like, when, I guess when they introduced um, the scene, the fight scene in the cage was actually kind of scary. Really well done. Yeah. Now there are some people that are having complaints about having epileptic seizures, which oh, I I could kind of understand. They they are they have added a warning to the front of that movie because it is flashing lights and and um it's that actually scared my kid quite a bit. Mm. Like, cause it's the, the mask is scary that the guy's wearing. There's flashing lights and you're, you're seeing the hero get the tar beaten out of her. Yeah. So he, he was not a big fan of that part, but afterwards he, you know, was like, oh, okay. So yeah, I think, you know, for Incredibles too, I definitely think it's worth seeing. If you're, if your kid is squeamish, I probably wouldn't take them because of some of those fight scenes, but as an overall action movie, it's really good. Yeah. Very, very well done. If they've seen and liked the first Incredibles, I highly suggest it. And uh, if they like superheroes, but there's certain superhero movies you might not want to take them to, like Infinity War because of all of the you know, death and destruction, Incredibles 2 is definitely a good option. 
Uh, also, if you want to see me win the championship of the our movie picks, where I picked Incredibles to be the hit of the summer, you could also see it possibly multiple times. You should buy out the theater for all of your friends. No, you're going to be singing ABBA. No one wants to hear that. I don't even. Remember. Oh, I do. I don't even remember what I picked. <laughs> I have them all. I have them all written down. So far, I think Jimmy is actually in the lead. What did Jimmy pick? So, well, he picked Solo to be a failure. Yeah. And it did not make its money yet. So it's possible that that might help. We'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Dang, I wish, I wish I would have picked Gotti as the failure. <laughs> that, that I is didn't true. even know that was coming out. Yeah, true. And ne- neither did anyone else but John Travolta. Yeah, right. <laughs> so guys, should we should we move on from Incredibles 2 and do the question? We can. I I will say though, did you have that um, that little intro at the beginning of yours as well, where they talked about it taking so long for them to come out with a new movie? Yes, and and bow as well, which was adorable. Yes, yes, it was. It was a little cartoon mini. Um, but I totally want the shirt that they were wearing in that in that. Uh, what movie. what did it say? It, it was just it was just like the the heads of Jack Jack across the top, and it had like the it had like little things that symbolized the different powers that he had. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Jack totally Jack was. We didn't talk about it too much, but Jack Jack was the standout in this movie. He was adorable, funny. the The reactions, uh, we didn't. Man, we didn't go through the characters. The reactions that Sam Ewell Jackson or uh, Frozone <laughs> has to Jack Jack are great. Did you just call him Sam Ewell Jackson? He did. <laughs> yeah, Sam Ewell Jackson. <laughs> Sam Ewell Jackson. Well, I was I was trying not to use his real name. I was going to go for I, the. Uh, I think you put the emphasis on the wrong syllable. I did. I did. <laughs> and he is. If he ever hears this, he's going to swear at me, and I hope he hears this. Uh, that would be awesome. Yeah. No, I, all the characters I thought were great. Um, the character growth, you know the, and and by the way, if you guys did like the first movie, the second one starts pretty much right afterwards. Yeah, and oh, that's that's the one other thing I, I did want to mention. There is a short called Jack Jack Attack that I used to play in class, so I know it very well because I played it every single month or every three months, basically. And it involves the the Rick Dicker character who is you know brainwashes the people after you know mm-hmm. the, the government agent or whatever. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of little things from that short that got carried on into this movie. So, um, have you ever seen that short? With I, the baby, the, the babysitter going like nuts about what the baby could do. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Because the babysitter was the only one that knew all the powers that Jack Jack had, because the parents were out fighting um, syndrome. Yeah, but in this movie they reference it a little bit because the Edna Mode character is babysitting and is like, "Wow, this baby really likes Mozart." And in the other one, the babysitter talks about trying to get the baby to calm down by playing a Mozart. It's like, we're going to, we're going to do some brain exercises or something like that. And he plays, plays Mozart for the baby and it calms him down. So it's like, it's interesting that they pulled from these shorts from 14 years ago and like built the characters out of it, which I thought was really neat. So anyway, guys, if you have not seen Incredibles 2 already, see it, it is good. All joking aside. And I think it leads to our question. Yes. Yeah. Rob, can, can you ask the question? All right. I think I can ask the question. And our question this week is going to be, what are the best superhero films and shows where the character didn't debut in a comic book first? Hmm. All right. Well, he goes first. Yeah. Following with tradition, uh, I can go first. Go for it. 
my number five is going to be Toxie, the Toxic Avenger. There you go. Not because I saw the Toxic Avenger first from Troma, but I saw the cartoon first. And oh, I had wow. the toys. I forgot about that. Yep. I had the toys and I loved it. And then when I actually saw the Toxic Avenger from Troma, I was like, oh, man. Okay. <laughs> I'm horrified. Yeah. Uh, number four is going to be The Incredibles, mm-hmm. which we just talked about. Number three is Hancock. Okay. Okay, I was waiting for Greg to say something about that, but I really enjoyed that. Uh, number two is going to be Darkman um, from previously referenced director Sam Raimi. Okay. I thought Darkman was awesome. And my number one is going to be the movie Unbreakable from the director that I hate, M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> I think he actually hit a bullseye with this one. We've got uh, Mr. Glass coming out, but David Dunn from that, I I just thought he was an awesome character. The superhero movie that no one knew was a superhero movie until the very end. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I got. Nice. I will go second. Go for it. All right. So number five, I'm going to go with Chronicle. Uh, which introduced okay. us to Josh Trank, which is, of course, that first-person kind of shaky cam thing. Um, yeah. I thought it was really good. Mm-hmm. There is a part of me that didn't want it, was thinking about leaving it off the list only, only because some of the, the scenes were very similar to Akira. stuff that we saw in, uh, well, Kira, but also Heroes, in a way, like just the the accidentally catching superpowers on video kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um. And also Josh Trank, you know, he might end up being a one-hit wonder as his Fantastic Four movie was not good, although there's different arguments as to why. Uh, Number four, Super, which, of course, introduced the world, at least the superhero world, to uh, James Gunn. Mm -hmm. Uh, Number three, Darkman, which, of course, Jimmy already talked about. I remember Darkman having, like, a lot of press. It was the first movie that had, like, a ton of hype. It it came out in August, and I remember this very distinctly because it came out at the end of a summer. And they talked about it all summer. Yeah. And I think the hype was way more than the actual movie, but the movie was actually pretty good. But I think Mm -hmm. there was a disconnect there. Uh, For me, Unbreakable number two, it's kind of a bleak movie, so I couldn't push it all the way to the top. But number one for me, of course, is The Incredibles. Uh, One of my higher up Pixar movies, and I couldn't possibly rate all the Pixar movies, but I really enjoyed The Incredibles when it first came out. I liked the family dynamic, and I really enjoyed the second one. Nice. That is my five. All right. Well, I'll go ahead and throw my five out there. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of overlapping because there really aren't, guys, there really aren't that many. Um, There really aren't that many movie movie or TV superheroes that didn't get their start in comics. Um, So I think we've got a lot of overlap. But I I did have one or two that you guys didn't mention. But my number five is going to be Crimson Bolt, uh, which is from the movie Super. Um, and it, it gave us a nice look at the, at the whole non super superhero, if you will. Um, the fact that getting shot really hurts. Yeah. Like that, some of the scenes at the end. Like, oh, <laughs> that, well, and, and some of the consequences for mere mortals, um, yeah. his, his sidekick, uh, very surprisingly in the middle of the movie had like half of her face blown off. Yep. Um, uh, number four, I'm going to go with uh, G girl. From my my super ex girlfriend, played by uh, Uma Thurman. Okay. Um, number three, I'm actually going to put in uh, Megamind. Nice. Mega. I, that was that was up there for me as well. I that 
almost swapped in with Chronicle. Mm-hmm. I, I actually didn't see Chronicle because I can't stand that first person handicam uh, crap that they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it drives it drives me insane. It makes me nauseous. I I think it's I think it's a terrible tool, and I wish nobody had ever invented it. <laughs> um, my number two, I'm actually going to go with Hancock. I really enjoyed that movie. Um, Same. Will Smith did a great job in that, and it was a nice it was a nice little uh, coming around story, I guess, if you will, where the superhero is kind of down on his luck, and he kind of. And you actually saw him, even though he had powers, you actually saw him become the superhero, which was really nice. Um, but my number one is probably going to be The Incredibles. Just just really well done. You can't mess with the formula. There's actually a couple that popped in my mind afterwards, just now. Oh, yeah? That we, I'm surprised no one mentioned Birdman. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Con- Condor Man didn't get mentioned. And, yeah, um, I thought great. about Condor Man, but he, he just didn't make my list. And uh, Greatest American Hero. Oh! Oh crap! I forgot about that. Oh, I can't believe I missed that one. Yeah, I didn't actually like that show, but I was very surprised that I loved. You know, I loved that show. I used to watch it with my dad and my brother. He he actually would make my list. Never seen it. In fact, he would probably be at number three on my list. So what's getting bumped? Uh, Crimson Bolt would be bumped off the list. Okay. So should we let's whittle this down to a to a five real quick? Yeah. Uh, Incredibles hit number one on two of our lists, so that has to be in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah, I I think hmm, I think incredible, but uh, I think Incredibles could go number one actually. Okay, yeah. so Incredibles number one. And do we say number five, Greatest American Hero? I I would love to put Greatest American Hero in at number five because okay. I can't believe I forgot that one. And it was it was okay. a very interesting take on the whole superhero thing. He got like his superpowers from a from an alien suit, and he lost the instruction book and couldn't didn't know how to control the powers. So. Super entertaining. I'll accept that. I'll put that in there. Okay. So how about number four? We go with um, Dark Man. Or should that go a little bit higher? I think Dark Man at four because I'm okay with that. Because that's a little bit different of a a superhero thing. I was going to say four should either be Dark Man or Hancock. Because Hancock plays very high on both mine and Jimmy's lists. Yeah, and I know Greg's not a big fan of Hancock. So I could say Hancock at three. Dark Minute four. Um, I think Unbreakable has to be two. Yeah, agreed. I can give you. I can give you that. As Greg writes it down, and it reminds me of Elder Scrolls. Oops. I'm sad that Super's not in there, but that's okay. I love that noise. I have not seen that. I saw it was an Indian movie for me, and it was mm. shocking at times. Um, so what was what was number three? That was uh, Hancock. Okay. Hancock. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I actually put down Mystery Men. Online, and then it occurred to me that I, ah. I I should look it up. And Mystery Men actually started off as a comic. Oh, okay. By the same, oh. uh, not the same artist, but the same publisher at Kitchen Sink Comics. I think they did the Tick or some. No, uh, they, whatever Kitchen Sink Comics did was actually Mystery Men was a comic first. I was like, oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Anyway, we got Greatest American Hero at number five, sneaking in, even though it did not make itself on our list. Kind of like one of those teams that play into the playoffs. It's like, it's like mm-hmm. a wild card. We got Dark Man at number four. We've got um, Hancock at number three and Unbreakable at number two. And our number one is The Incredibles, both the original and, of course, the new one. So there is our list of the greatest uh, TV and movie superheroes that did not originate in the comics. So were there any, email us. Were there any that we forgot? Hit us up. Let us know. We're talking to you directly, Carwin. Kerwin. 
Um, <laughs> and Omar. I will reach out to Kerwin. Exactly. Yeah, Omar actually had, I did speak to him the other day. He said he had some things for us, but I checked them right before, checked my email right before the show and I didn't see anything. So I'll have to get on him for that. Damn you, Omar. <laughs> You're tearing me apart, Omar. <laughs> well, guys, thank you for listening. And for the Gimme Five podcast, I'm Greg. I'm Rob. I'm Jimmy. Thanks for listening, guys. Cause I'm so gassy, you already know.